I'm Reverend Harry Bridge. And I'm Dr. Scott Mitchell, and this is the Dharma Realm Podcast. And we're coming to you from the Kodo of the Jodo Shinshu Center in Berkeley, California. This is the Dharma Realm Podcast for October 7, 2011, and we are back. Uh, today we're going to talk about what we've been up to for the past six months and what we're thinking of doing from here on out. So where you been? <laughs> uh, this, this, the um, how you spent the summer vacation question? Yeah. <laughs> Reading good books? <laughs> uh, yeah, a couple good books. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, mostly I had a baby over the summer. Oh, that's right. So that kind of took up some time. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. I'm tired. <laughs> but things are good. And, you know, that's not the only thing going on. We've yeah. also been doing some writing and research and reading, you know. Good. You? Um, I couldn't even tell you. Just busy. <laughs> Seemed like a really busy year. Um, bizarre, Obon, traveling around, went to Canada, mm-hmm. uh, went for um, Obon up there in uh, Calgary, and uh, went to Seattle for the annual minister's seminar, uh, summer seminar, and lots of other stuff. Yeah, summers are hard for ministers. Yeah, it's supposed to be time off. A lot of people think it's time off because the, the... You don't have the regular drama. Right, Dharma school is school. on like regular yeah, yeah. regular rotation, like regular um, school year kind yeah. of thing. So it ends in May or June and starts up again in September. So it but, seems like you're off all summer. Right, but you're not, as a minister, you're not like doing Dharma school anyway, right? I mean, you're not the main person in charge of Dharma school. Right, I'm not the the like Dharma school teacher, yeah. but it means that uh, we have service pretty much every Sunday. Yeah, for the school year, but then the right. summer. Right, and then you're talking to kids. So during the right. summer, we still have some service, um, but usually only the shotsuki, the mm-hmm. monthly memorial service, um, obon service. Right. Uh, then we have our bazaar. So a lot of the, I think it's because of the bazaar season. Yeah. Is a big part of it. And then the minister's um, summer seminar usually happens in August. So. See, ministers have to do a lot of work. We should give them lots of respect for all the yeah. work they have to do. I like the way this podcast is heading. Which is why I don't want to be a minister, because I'm <laughs> lazy. I'm lazy, lazy, lazy. <laughs> so we've actually been gone by the time this airs. Mm-hmm. Six months. Six months. And our last episode was our 50th, 50th episode, which wow. means this is our 51st. Wow. We didn't realize it was the 50th when we did it, huh? No, we were clueless. <laughs> <laughs> so this is good, actually, because... Um, Actually, the 51st is kind of the, the new one, right? It's like sure. after the first 50, 51st, we're kind of um, starting a new phase, maybe, is kind of how we're starting to look at it. Um, how many years have we been doing this? I have no idea. Yeah, it's been at least two, three, three years. I think 2008 we started. Okay. Yeah, guess. so this has been going for a while. Um, it's been successful beyond our wildest expectations. <laughs> We had no idea. I think we said this before, but we had no idea people would be listening to us. Um, yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it's really neat. Um, it's really a, a neat opportunity. Um, the past six months just got really busy. I don't know what happened. We just didn't make any episodes. Uh, but we are back uh, and been kind of thinking about, you know, what have we been doing the past six months as far as like Buddhism, as far as uh, possible topics for the podcast and that kind of thing? Uh, and so. What have you been doing? 
What's on your mind, Harry? Yeah, that's... Um, what look, is mind? <laughs> <laughs> it's all mind. <laughs> Thinking about um, being a minister and um, how I do my Dharma talks, and, but also being a teacher uh, and realizing that there is a lot of uh, overlap between those things, right? So teaching, like last spring, I was teaching the, co-teaching the Seven Masters class, uh, Seven Masters of Jodo Shinshu. Uh, that's a topic that comes up again and again here, right? We've talked right. about it before. Um, some of that stuff spills over into my Dharma messages, for example, uh, into my articles uh, at the temple. Uh, and so, but kind of thinking about, you know, trying to look that stuff up. This morning I was thinking, you know, how am I going to look this up? Oh my gosh, I have to like pull up every Dharma talk in my computer. I might not have written it down on my computer. I like just have my piece of paper and then just scribble down notes right before the service. Uh, I tend, I'm, I'm not the type to put a lot of planning and thought into my Dharma messages. It's more inspiration, right? Um, I'm not, I can't really like construct uh, this like detailed outline. And even when I do, constructed detailed outline actually sometimes it's too detailed and it backfires <laughs> yeah 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 um you kind of gotta be spontaneous right yeah I, I think i'm more of a spontaneous kind of person mm-hmm. um you know i think about it beforehand or i try to think about it but sometimes i'm i don't yeah. know what i'm gonna say until like i walk into the nigene yeah, yeah, yeah. and you well you know, gotta then you the know, idea comes yeah. to me i mean it's the same with with my lectures that i do in my classes i mean i have an outline but you know I often will read the room and be like, okay, well, today we're, it seems like we're more interested in this, and so we'll sort of right. riff on that or right, right, go right. off in some other direction. And, oh, I have these notes that I wanted to say this, but this seems totally irrelevant now. So, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember going up to um, Calgary and speaking at their Obon, and I had uh, a notepad from the hotel. And, like, I, I actually, I think I made a pretty nice structure. Um, I came up with a theme, like an overarching theme. Uh, and then I had my, like, three example kind of things. And actually, I feel like actually my Dharma talks have improved mm-hmm. uh, the past, since uh, this summer, maybe. Uh, because, you know, uh, just little things I've picked up from public speakers that at first you're kind of like, this seems, you know, too elementary or something. And then realizing, no, it's actually really good, <laughs> right? Have an overarching theme. Tell people what it is. Tell people what you're going to talk about it. Then talk about it. Give good examples, interesting examples, right? Try to tie it together. And then at the end, tell them once again, basically what you were talking about, right? And so uh, I felt like I was able to do that uh, in Calgary for my Obon talk. Uh, But I wrote a lot of it down on these little pieces of paper, and I had a little podium. And uh, I realized once I was up there, I can't see it. It's too much. It's too much detail on these little pieces of paper. Yeah, yeah. Um, to look down at that is going to distract me. So I just went by memory. Unfortunately, I had been thinking about it, you know, the right, previous right, night right. and all morning. So I had it inside. Uh, and so, uh, and at the past two Dharma talks I've given at church too, the, for my regular temple at um, Oakland, uh, I think that uh, I was able. I've been able to uh, have a kind of overarching theme and and you know hopefully give uh, interesting examples that illuminate what I'm trying to talk about and then tell it to you again this is what I was talking about just in case you lost a thread you know during the examples it might not have made totally made sense but it was about this and this so right yeah so it's been kind of nice and so uh but to to like think back and be like okay what did I talk about and all these dharma talks is too hard (laughs) (laughs) it's all too much sometimes yeah yeah but I feel like I'm getting the hang of it um you know of of uh you know, and, and I don't think as a minister, 
I, I, I couldn't come up with a detailed brand new thing every single talk. So I have a lot of themes that I, I probably repeat again and again and again. Uh, but, uh, and I hope it's not, you know, boring or people are like, oh boy, here he talks about it again. I don't think it's that <laughs> level. Uh, but I think it's okay as long as the, inf- in, the um, examples are timely. Sure, uh, sure. The examples are, you know. Well, you know, you also got to hear this. It's helpful to hear the same thing over and over again. Right, right, right. So the basic theme might be the same, but then try and plug in yeah. different examples. Or, you yeah. Know. It's hard. It's been hard, though, getting back into it. Um, summer was pretty busy. And then uh, August, you know, we had the Fouquet, went, uh, took some time off, did some recording, did some music, got into that. And so when September starts up again, it's like, oh. It's hard to <laughs> go back to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's true any time of yeah, vacation. Or yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I, I feel like we're sort of in the same boat. Like, we both really have a passion for, for Buddhism, and we love studying it and talking about it. But it's also it's also our vocation in different ways, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. as a teacher, it's I get paid to come here and teach and research and write and read. And, you know, you get paid to be a minister and... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is the sort of the seamy underbelly of being a professional Buddhist, really, like all the work you have to do. And, you know, I mean, you know, sometimes work is work. That's, <laughs> they call it work for a reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and having some time often can be good. And I don't know, I think about that all the time, too. And people often ask me about my own personal practice. And it's like, oh, well, sometimes I just want to go home and watch a baseball game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's my practice. I don't know. <laughs> I got hooked on... Um, uh, law and Order, Criminal Intent. <laughs> they just ended it, but um, uh-huh. you know the reruns are on all the yeah, time. Yeah. So that's a good distraction. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. That talk about see me underbelly. Yeah, right. Yeah, Seeing yeah. Right? some of the worst things people are capable of, and sure, sure. The, the fact that a lot of that is, even though it's fiction, a lot of it is taken from actual events. Right, right. right? right. So it's kind of interesting to watch an episode of a Criminal Intent or you know Law and Order. And then later on, be watching a show, like a real show about something that really happened. You're like, oh, that's what they based it on. Wow, someone actually did that. That's pretty bad. That's pretty messed up. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, speaking of, uh, you know, TV shows, this is a good transition Mm -hmm. to something that I've been working on. Oh, good. (laughs) One of of my research interests is Buddhism and pop culture, Mm -hmm. Buddhism and the media. Um, So one of the things I did this summer, actually, I was went to a conference in New York. Oh. Presented a paper on this topic. Oh, cool. So I'm hoping to do some more writing in that regard. And maybe, we, you know, something we could talk about here on the show. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, seems interest, it seems a lot of people are interested in, in talking about media and pop culture and Buddhist representations or mm-hmm. representations of Buddhism in the media. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it comes up a lot in conversations. But oftentimes people just sort of like want to say, hey, did you see this weird thing or this, this silly poster or ad? I'm like, yeah, I saw it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. What was it? Do you happen to remember basically the title of the conference? Uh, the conference was put uh, on by the Social Science Research Council in New York. It's part of, it was at Columbia University. Um, and the conference was on spirituality and the public sphere, I think is what it was called. So it was sort of, you know, spirituality and religion in general and how it's represented in public, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Mm-hmm. I think I was the only, um, I think I was the token Buddhist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which was fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah, that's really important because media is, we're hyper media culture right now, yeah. right? I mean, not that it hasn't been before, but it seems like now it's just really, really uh, so much of our existence is permeated by 
the various medias. Right. And so we can't get away from that. And so it's good to ref- step back and reflect on it. Uh, realize that um, a lot of times our, what we take for granted as the way things are is actually constructed yeah. by these crazy media yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, representations. And, and it's, I think, important to study media representations of Buddhism because they can tell us a lot about what our culture thinks about Buddhism and how we relate to Buddhists and how that might affect Buddhists. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, one of the one of the big issues is uh, people who sell Buddhist stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if uh, you can go to the, you know, you know, some some crappy store where they have, you know, these silly statues or whatever of the Buddha or you know, Buddhist Buddhist images on clothing or you know, sort of Buddhism Buddha images used in ways that are not particularly authentic, you might say, or mm-hmm. you know. Uh, possibly even offensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and people get really worried about that and what that means and whether that's distorting the Buddhist message. And then other people will often say, well, you know, if somebody is in a clothing store and they see a Buddha image on a T-shirt, now they're learning about Buddha somehow and maybe they'll want to learn more in some mm-hmm. other capacity, which is, I think, a interesting argument. But I always, I think it also raises the question of, well, you know, what are they learning? You know, mm-hmm. in the broader media scope, media scape, how is Buddhism being represented, and do we have to spend all this time like correcting people's views? Right. Uh, right. You know, right, if right. somebody comes to your to your, to the church in Oakland, you know, with these ideas about Buddhism that they got from pop culture, you know, how accurate is that, and how much do you have to sort of work against that, or mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, is that mm-hmm. something to think about? So these are some of the issues that I'm I'm playing around with. Right. 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 It's interesting though, because I remember from my own past of. Uh, and I think we've talked about this before too, but um, some of the early, my early exposure to Buddhism, that first year of exposure, 1990, right? And uh, some of it was being in Japan, taking a class, but some of it was just postcards of Tibetan tankas, mm-hmm. right? And, and, you know, those really spoke to me. Uh, and yet I knew that there had to be more than that, right? Like this was just um, little pieces and it's like you, it helps... Um, helps you realize, wow, yeah, this is really interesting. There's something here that I want to learn more about. Uh, and so it, it just adds to that, yeah. you know? And so, you know, you can't get everything from just one no. source or whatever. Yeah. So, so I think, a, you know, one Buddhist way to look at it is more the kind of second view that you gave that like maybe as a skillful means or whatever, it's a, you know, uh, to, that anything like that helps as long as it inspires you to keep digging right. and to keep seeking and to keep asking and to keep being critical and all of that, yeah. Groovy. Well, there's another, actually, this we can dovetail to one of the books that I'm reading right now. Uh, and I dug these books out of a box in my room as the, the um, I have a pile of boxes like blocking this window in my room instead of having like a curtain over it. <laughs> and my wife came in and she's like, oh my God, look at the, the boxes. The pillar is like starting to tip over because <laughs> the bottom boxes aren't full. So it's so heavy on top that it like starts slowly crushing the box below it. <laughs> So I had to like take them off and I'm, oh, cool, I was looking for this book. <laughs> so I dug out this book. Um, I had started reading it before uh, and wanted to read it again and couldn't find it. And now I found it. It's called The Cult of Nothingness, uh, The Philosophers and the Buddha uh, by Roger Poy, Roger Paul Droit, um, however you pronounce that. It's a French author written in French, uh, but translated into English. And he's looking at representations of Buddhism, but in 1700s, 1800s, yeah. um, you know, 1900s, I think, no, 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 he doesn't get, I don't think he even really gets to 1900s. Yeah, this, yeah. this is like early stuff. 18th, what, 19th century. Yeah. yeah. When's Hegel? I think 19th century. 
I, sh- I should know. I'm a like horrible. 1800s kind of. Yeah, thing, I should right? know, but I'm really tired. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we, you, you'll have to read the book to get the details. Uh, but you know, from the early missionary encounters, like Jesuits mm-hmm. and Japan, and you know, uh, China, uh, you know, from those representations of Buddhism, and then the philosophers get this stuff, right. and just the way they understood it, um, asking, does India have philosophy? And now we think, of course, Buddhism is philosophy, right? I mean, it, you know, it seems so obvious. And it's really interesting to see uh, the knowledge that they had available to them, right? And, and right. To, to think about this different time, um, a lot of it, this cult of nothingness and like uh, looking at that. And there's one of the um, main themes in the book is fear, and this idea of Buddhism as nothingness, this is terrifying. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is coming into our culture. We have to fight it. Um, not everyone felt that way, but there's yeah. a real strong undercurrent of that. Um, you know, just uh, the different representations of Buddhism and what they thought of Buddhism and of India. Um, Hegel. I remember taking a class on Hegel in college and, you know, the whole... Um, teleology and the you know the this arc of history and development we've talked about this mm-hmm. before right that now we're at the pinnacle and it's all been building up to this uh, and so Hegel I think often is viewed as having a very negative view of Asia and of India um, as you know backwards and primitive and only an early stage in development sure. but then apparently he had other ideas about it too when he understood more about it. and it it's because another scholar actually learned how to read Pali Sanskrit <laughs> actually read some of the texts instead of just hearing reports right. uh, and and just watching this this uh, the development of even just the perception or understanding of Buddhism uh, at this early early stage so it's I find it fascinating yeah, reading. Yeah, yeah. I think it's actually written really well. Um, I don't think it's, it doesn't strike me as that hard, but um, it might be, and it's kind of expensive though. It's definitely an academic book. I mean, the, <laughs> half, the second half of the book is footnotes, so. <laughs> but it's, a, I mean, this is a f- totally fascinating time in, in, in European history, and, and this, it's interesting to think about folks writing about Buddhism and, and where they're getting the information from and how it's second, third, fourth hand, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's people coming back with texts that are translated by, you know, folks in Europe or, you know, missionaries who have their own particular agenda who mm-hmm. are bringing information back. And so their understanding of the tradition or the practice is sort of filtered through all these different lenses, which is right. fascinating to think of. And then also they're, they're reading into it their own particular uh, concerns. You know, right, I know right. that that whole period of European history, there's a lot of concern anyway about, you know, the, the modern era and secularism taking over from religion. And, you know, you know, there's Nietzsche out there saying God is dead, you know. And so right, I could right, see right. how a philosophy that's perceived as being negative and deconstructing everything could be perceived as this huge, terrifying threat mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to, you know, the, the perceived, you know, wisdom or civilization of Europe, you know. And so it's, it's a, a very, uh, you know, and I think that it's really important for us to look at that stuff anyway, because I think we inherit all of that stuff right, right. in the modern, you know, in the contemporary Europe and contemporary America, you know, that's our culture. We inherited all of this, this way of looking at the world. And so, you know, we need to sort of guard against rep, uh, repeating those perceptions, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, that sneak into our own philosophy. <laughs> right, 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 right. And um, it's interesting, too, to think, you know, it's this ping-ponging back and forth, right? Like, it, it's interesting to read that stuff, but then that can also ask, make us ask questions about, well, how do I perceive Buddhism? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do yeah. I know what I know? Where, right. where am I getting my information? Right. It's also interesting to think of how Buddhists themselves were influenced by this stuff. You know, I know mm-hmm. that folks in Japan, you know, they loved Hegel. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the, the Meiji 
uh, Buddhist philosophers were really interested in German philosophy. Mm-hmm. You know, they would read Hegel, they would read, you know, and they would, you know, I think D.T. Suzuki even uses some of this stuff when he talks about Zen. So mm-hmm. it's like, well, you know, Zen, the way that Suzuki talks about Zen, is that being filtered through Hegel? You know, like, that's just an interesting thing to think about. And, and I know some mm-hmm. folks have done some work on that. So, mm-hmm. you know, go out there and read. Yeah. yeah listeners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's fascinating stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually found a, um, I was in it, speaking of bookstores, there's so f- much fewer good spirituality bookstores yeah, even, yeah, or yeah. used bookstores, or, or Buddhist bookstores. Even here in um, Berkeley, which is... Yeah, it's sad. Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm so glad I went to IBS when I did yeah. in what late 90s, when Shambhala was still open, uh, you know, Cody's was still open, yeah, yeah. Um, Moe's is still there, um, but, you know, it used to be three bookstores right next to each other, and right. you could just, you know, make the rounds. Um, now it's one. You know, um, it's really sad. But I, I did go to one in um, San Rafael and found uh, an old issue of the Eastern Buddhist, mm. which is this um, Buddhist yeah, journal yeah, yeah, yeah. started before World War II by D.T. Suzuki um, and others in, um, in Japan, uh, but all written in English. And uh, the issue I found is from 1971, and it's like the 50th anniversary issue, I think. Huh. Uh, classic articles in there by like Bando Shojun on Tanluan, indebtedness of, to, of um, Shinran to Tanluan. And uh, those, that's been reprinted actually, but um, really neat to read it and have this, you know, this yeah. book is only, well, what, 40 years old, right? but that's kind of cool. I'm holding this 40 year old document that's reflecting on 50 years, years ago, years. right? Yeah, so yeah. it's, it's really kind of neat. Um, and fun, you know, a lot of times, sometimes those books can, can be kind of hard to read, I think. Uh, but for some reason, um, I feel like my attitude has changed a little bit, and I was able to, to you know, enjoy it, you know, and see these pictures. And uh, there's a great picture of young D.T. Suzuki with Beatrice Lane Suzuki, his wife, uh-huh. uh, and she's holding a cat. Um, and just, like, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> I might have to scan that, and uh, we can put it up on, yeah, yeah, yeah. on the Dharma, Dharma Realm page. Yeah. So these are some of the, the many, many things that we're thinking about. Yep. And they'll they'll all come up in, in future episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. If we remember, <laughs> I'll lose this piece of paper that I, that I have. But <laughs> there's things to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other thing that um, we're thinking about doing is writing a book at some point. Right. Uh, and and now that we've said that, we're we're committed to. Yeah, it. we're trying to commit. Um, <laughs> we'll write it next week. We've got time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would. I, I still find difficulties with writing, but I find that I'm enjoying enjoying writing more. Uh, and it's but with me, it's an issue yeah. of um, motivation and well, discipline. You know, I think and those are things that we're I don't a good pair for that because I don't mind writing, and I can I can I can force you to okay to commit to a time schedule. Okay, yeah, you can try <laughs> force me anyway. Others have tried and failed. <laughs> so yeah, so we're hoping to be back in the game uh, to. Uh, get back on schedule. Uh, to, we don't know exactly what our schedule is going to be. Uh, the format might change a little bit. It might not change at all. We thought this episode might be a shorter one. We're already, already at 25 minutes. <laughs> um, so uh, We just won't shut up. Yeah, away. once we get talking. It's like, <laughs> so we'd like to encourage people again, uh, if you have ideas, uh, thoughts, uh, send us questions, or just um, feel free to... Uh, 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 Converse with us mm-hmm. by email. Um, you know, we have plenty of uh, opportunities for that. And uh, we'd like to, well, we're back. Yay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's some questions that uh, the 
perennial questions that keep coming back uh, that we may not have any new answers for, uh, but you never know, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think there's still uh, a lot of uh, interesting stuff to, to dive into and to talk about. So, yay. See you next time. <laughs>